As we begin this morning, let's read the last few verses from our scripture passage last week. So Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. Go there first, and then we'll pick up for this week's passage. But we read this last week. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's continue now with verse, verse 14, going through 14 through 21, the rest of chapter 10. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. I mentioned last week that we would return to Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 13 since those verses are connected directly with verses 14 through 21. Belief in the heart coupled with confession of the mouth is the outcome of the questions that Paul is stating in verses 14 and 15. How can they, how can they, how can they? Those questions, the response to that question, the outcome of that, going through those responses, is that we would believe in the heart and confess with the mouth. But confessing with the mouth is simply part of believing with the heart. And believing with the heart is naturally expressed in confessing with the mouth. They both mean, they both together mean, to profess our faith in Christ Jesus. They can't be separated from one another. Right? So, and the reason that I'm stressing this or making this point is because you may have heard the term altar call or sinner's prayer. Someone came up to the altar and we led them in the sinner's prayer. You may have heard that expression. And typically what we mean by that, typically, you know, what we mean by saying that someone prayed the sinner's prayer is that a person is encouraged 
to say out loud, most often to repeat after somebody else, and we say, say this out loud, and we tell them to say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe that you came and died to save me from my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and receive you as my personal Savior. Come into my heart and make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. Most of you, many of you have heard this, and, or some variation of it, very close to this. You've heard this expressed, and it's a great prayer. It's a wonderful prayer, and the words are powerful, wonderful, right? life-transforming words. However, we must be careful that we don't overemphasize the confession of the mouth as the sign of salvation, because we have often relied on the repetition of the words. I'll say this, you repeat it. We have often relied on the repetition of the words as the means of salvation. Now, don't get me wrong. There are many people who have genuinely, who have been genuinely saved, who have genuinely come to the Lord, even as their first response to hearing the gospel message was to be led by someone to pray the sinner's prayer. They did that. They sincerely and they you know, earnestly were moved or were affected and they took part or repeated the sinner's prayer. And they were truly transformed by the words. But it is not the repetition of the words as a method that saved them. It was not because they repeated those words that they were saved. They were saved because of righteousness of the righteousness of God that they received by faith. That's what we've been learning in all these previous weeks. That's what we've got to make sure that we are reinforcing for ourselves. This is not by works. This is not a magic formula. This is not some sort of mantra. This is not where we would say, just say these words and then you're saved. No. We want for folks to understand, to receive, the righteousness of God by faith. That's what we're pointing them to. That's what we're telling them when we say, here's Jesus, and this is who he is, and this is what he did, and this is what we, we are talking about and preaching about and so on. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, in their mouths, not their works. So we've got to keep that in mind. People called on the name of the Lord and by responding to the word of truth that they heard, they were saved. There are also many people, many people, who have recited these words, but who didn't really hear or understand what they were saying. There was a question raised of Billy Graham when he had these massive crusades, and they said, how many people do you think are truly coming to the Lord? And he said, maybe 10%. Maybe 20% of these people that are coming to the front are actually, really, sincerely giving their hearts to the Lord. So sometimes emotion and other, other factors may cause somebody to say these words, but they actually have not given their hearts to the Lord. So, it leads us to at least three declarations that are derived from Paul's how can they questions, 
right? So in verses 14 and 15, when he's raising those questions, there are at least three things that we can say based on listening to those questions or based on how he's presenting them to us. And those three statements, I'll give you those three statements first, and then we'll go through them in just a little bit of detail. The first statement is, you must hear to believe. Second, you must preach to be heard. And the third, you must be sent to preach. So first and foremost, you must hear to believe. You must have faith to believe. You must have faith to believe. This is not just repeating something. You must have faith to believe what the Lord is doing and what he has done in the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. You must have faith to believe. But verse 17 that we read here makes it very clear. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing here means a communication. It need not be just an audible voice or something that we're hearing with our ears. It may be a written communication. It may be communication in some other form. But it is that hearing, that receiving of a word that is clearly received and comprehended. There is an understanding that comes because of the Holy Spirit. The illumination of God. The revelation of God. The way in which that word comes alive in us. It's as the disciples on the road to Emmaus when they were walking, when they finally realized that it was Jesus that was with them. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us on the way? What was Jesus speaking to them on the way about? He was explaining from the scriptures why all these things were supposed to be this way. He was explaining how the fulfillment of scriptures was, was taking place. And instead of them being sad and, and you know, discouraged, he was encouraging them by what? By speaking the word of God. And the, and the two disciples, they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? So there's a coming alive of the word within us that is by the work of the Holy Spirit. So faith, this hearing... Uh, is this communication of the Lord inspired by the Holy Spirit and through it, faith arises in us. So what should someone hear? They have to hear the word of God. That's what the Bible is telling us clearly. That is what we know from experience. They can't tell. They, they, can, they can hear from you of your experience. They can hear about what was going on in the church. They can hear about what happened in the past. But ultimately, the faith that comes by hearing has to be the hearing of the word of Christ. It has to be the gospel message. It has to be that we're telling people about Jesus, nothing else, nothing less, nothing more, that we would tell them about Jesus. They should hear the word of God. They should hear what the Lord has spoken. They should hear truth. And so all through history, God has spoken to people and then told them to go and tell others what they had heard. It's amazing. You, know, you, you think, why not every, every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m., you know, there's just a thunderous voice from heaven. Thus says the Lord, and everybody in the world would just hear it. Why not do that? Right? Couldn't, couldn't God just speak like that? The whole world could just hear? I mean, wouldn't that be great? I mean, everybody would say, oh, it's Thursday, 2 p.m., let's go listen to the Lord. I mean, you know, why say, look, this is my word to you. Now go tell others. Because he is having us totally and completely engaged in the sharing and the spreading of this 
word of God. He says, look, I'm communicating this to you. I've illuminated this to you. I'm revealing this to you. I'm inspiring this in you by the Holy Spirit. Now go tell somebody else. And that's the command that is always there. And so the word of God is given to us. And so all through history, God has spoken to people and directed them. And children of God are directed to tell and retell what their heavenly father has told them. Now, family prayer in our homes. Sunday sermons, Sunday school, sermon discussions, Bible studies, other discussions are all opportunities primarily for those who are already the children of God to continue to hear the word of God. But in addition to that, we want to look for every opportunity to share the word of God with those who have not yet joined the family of God. That is why we read about people in the Bible and modern day missionaries who sacrificed so much, traveled great distances, endured great hardships to share the word of God. Because they were convinced, they were compelled, they received this word and they said, oh, this is a word that needs to be shared, that deserves to be shared, that can transform somebody else's life. And the Lord has asked me to do this. That's why, especially in the recent past, Christians have used every possible means to share the word of God around the world. And we are eager. We are eager for everyone to hear the good news of the gospel, believe in their hearts, and confess with their mouths. That's why Paul says in verse 18, what we read here, their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. We have to speak. We have to declare because you have to hear to believe. Second, we must preach or you must preach to be heard. Now, I just, I just made this point that we have to communicate, that we have to preach, right? So when I make this point here about we must preach to be heard, um, since I've already established that preaching or the communication of the word of God is necessary, my emphasis here on making this second point is that our declaration of God's truth, the declaration of God's message, of the gospel message, must be in a way that can be received by the audience. That means that we have to be sensitive to the audience. There are so many voices that people can listen to. Why should they choose to listen to us? There's plenty of things that are competing for their interests and so many voices that are speaking. Why should they listen to us? So that means we need to know what are people going through? What is going to be effective to communicate with them? What are their felt needs? What is affecting them? What is troubling them? What is encouraging them? What is affecting their lives? What is the word of God that would be a word of care, a word of mercy, a word of love? What is the word of God that allows them to see God for who he is? Not just, what is the word of God that I want to say? Because then I'm just focused on myself. Here's, I'm, I'm the preacher, I'm ready to preach, I've got my you know, things that I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this to you no matter what you think of it. We're not going to be heard. 
Yeah? We need to be sensitive. We need to pay attention to saying, what is it that this person needs to hear? How should we receive from God an apt word so that when we preach, we are heard? Many times, in our own zeal, and remember, we talked about this, zeal without knowledge leads to all sorts of different consequences. But many times in our own zeal, we just speak, we declare, we proclaim, and we say, I've preached the word of God. But we've been insensitive to the listener. The Bible says that God's word is full of grace for the benefit of those who listen, according to the needs of the hearer. That's how Ephesians 4.29 speaks about it. So that means that we have to be people who are saying, God, how do I reach this person? What is the specific thing that I must say? How can I be heard? How can I share a message that is relevant for them? How can I preach to be heard in a way that people won't just tune out? And let me just make one quick point about this. As much as the Lord can lead us to communicate effectively with strangers, and you know, in some ways you may think, oh, that's easier. If I just meet a stranger on the road and I tell them, God, Jesus loves you, let me tell you about the gospel message. And they happen to give you, you know, five minutes of their time and you can go through it and you say, oh, okay, I'm done, I'm good, right? Uh, in some ways you may think, oh, that's easier. You know, street evangelism. If I could just go out on the street, tell a few, you know, people, give them a few tracts and so on. And, and by all means, if the Lord leads you to do that, do it. And there have been wonderful results from that. But I suggest to you that most often, the Lord's really leading us into relationships. Into, he's placed us in our own families, even as Mike was saying earlier, you know, that we pray for our loved ones. We reach out to those that are right there in our spheres of influence. Those that we have a relationship with, maybe in the family, maybe at work, maybe at some other place. And the Lord connects people into our lives. So before going and looking for all sorts of other opportunities, just start to pray and say, Lord, what should I do? How should I speak to this person? Maybe they're not on good terms with you. Not because of anything you did even, but you know, they're just doing whatever. Or maybe they're not walking with the Lord. Or maybe they have heard from you before. Maybe you reached out to them some other time and they just said, ah, oh, no more. And every time you sort of bring up the topic, they say, oh, I know where you're going. Stop. Right? Maybe that happens. But we have a responsibility to say, Lord, you've, you've, you've put me here. This is the times of my life, and these are the boundaries of my dwelling, and these are the people that I'm connected with. Show me. Show me how I can preach so as to be heard. Show me how I can live so that I can be heard. Show me how I can show the love of God so that I can be heard. We want to preach to be heard. And the third thing is that we must be sent to preach. The Greek word that is rendered sent is the word apostello, from which we get our word apostle, which really just means one sent on a mission. The word apostle just means one sent on a mission. When we think of the word apostles, we, apostle, we think of the biblical apostles, we think of Paul, we think, oh, apostle. All it means was one sent on a mission. These were people who said, I have heard from God. I am going to this place. I'm going to do this thing. I'm sent. 
I have a mission of God to fulfill. And so we tend to think of the word apostle or sending or send, and we think to ourselves, ah, okay, that's for the apostles, the missionaries, the evangelists, pastors, teachers, somebody other than me. Because they have been called to do that. But and so and, and, and I'll I'll pray for them. And I'll support them. And I'll whenever I see them I'll I'll encourage them. You know, and I'll tell them, hey, good job, good job. Keep going. We're with you. Right? But Paul is not saying that at all. Paul is not saying that it is the select few who should preach the gospel. Right? He's actually agreeing with what Jesus said that it is every believer who is sent by God on a mission, who is commissioned by God to go into all the world and teach people what Jesus has said. It's not based on, and this, this call of the Lord, this, this great commission, this, this statement that all of us are sent to preach, that is not based on age, it is not based on race, it is not based on our ability to communicate. It is not based on our finances or resources or anything else that we can think of. This is solely based on our obedience to and our dependence on the Holy Spirit. And we would say, okay, God, if this is your great commission, then you empower me to fulfill that commission. It's up to you. It's not up to me. It's not according to my resources. Moses said to God, send somebody else. I, I have a stutter. I can't even go and speak to the Pharaoh. And, and with, by the way, in that passage, every single excuse he came up with, God just responded to him. Until he said, send someone else. And then the Bible says that God became angry with Moses. Right? We are people who can make excuses about everything. And God says, don't worry about any of those things. I don't have the resources, I don't have the time, I don't have the ability, you know, I stutter. Whatever you may come up with, God says, ah, I got it under control. The only thing that he's asking us not to say is, not me, someone else. Because you see, when we go to the Lord and we say, Lord God, you sent me, you, you use me, it says the disciples of Christ and Paul and many others who are strong examples for us of people who were just like us, the fishermen and the tax collector and just the, the Pharisee and the zealot and others and, and so many throughout the word of God, just like us, people just like us, who were sent and who obeyed that call to be sent to preach. As a church, we actively support many missionaries who are directly or indirectly sharing the word of God with people all over the world. And many of you personally are supporting missions and missionaries, and we'll continue to do that. But in addition, through every possible means, we want everyone in the church to be equipped and ready to share the word of God with someone else. If you say, I don't know how to do that, let's figure that out. Let's take opportunities. Let's get equipped so that we can say, in a very simple way, 
this is how I can share the good news of Jesus with someone else. And if you say, well, these folks have come up with these kinds of questions, and I didn't know how to respond to that. Let's deal with that in our Q&A session or in our, one of our other discussion groups or whatever. But let's become prepared. Let's pay attention. Let's say, Lord, you help me to learn and, re and be ready so that when the opportunity comes, I can share. I will tell them very simply and clearly what the gospel message is. And so we want to pray for those kind of opportunities. We want to pray for divine connections. Maybe in our own home, maybe in our family, maybe in the, you know, some other sphere. But we want to pray for those divine connections. And we say, Lord, you put me in connection with those people that need to hear the word. And then you prepare me. You, you give me the words. So that when I open my mouth, it will not be my eloquence and my wisdom. It will be your word with life and light and power that comes out of my mouth. That's what we want to pray for. Which brings us to this point of application. We respond and apply this word of God that we have heard by preaching the gospel. All right? That's our point of application. Sometimes... We are looking for so many complicated things in terms of how to apply the Word of God that we forget that there's a very simple charge. Tell somebody else about Jesus. And I know all the reasons why I don't, all the excuses that I have, all the ways in which I have attempted to speak to somebody and they rejected it, and I said, ah, I don't know if I can tell them again. But I, how, how earnestly am I praying for that? How earnestly am I seeking the Lord? We are in this season, in this month, celebrating the birth of Jesus. And we sing about it, and we talk about it, and we you know, rejoice in it, and rightly so. But how prepared are we, and what do we do to tell somebody else, this is what really happened. This is why we celebrate Jesus coming into this earth. This is why his coming into this earth was the fulfillment of all these prophecies that were there beforehand. And so like we sang this morning, because of that, we go tell it on the mountains that Jesus Christ was born. We declare it, we scream it, we, we, we are excited about it. Why? Because it has transformed us. And every apprehension that we have had to be able to share that, we've given that and laid that at the foot of the cross. And we're saying, Lord, we receive your power, your grace, so that we can declare this. We can tell the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the message. That's the message. And it's tough. There's all sorts of hurdles. You know, there's all sorts of things that can come against us. But we pray and we say, Lord God, you help me. Help me to make Christ known. Because remember, that's our goal. Even as we were saying last week, our goal is to make Christ known and then to help those who come to know Christ to grow in their knowledge of Christ and to grow in their knowledge of others so that they can then make Christ known to someone else. We come to know Christ. We go and make somebody else you know, aware of Christ. And we help them. We encourage them. We stand with them. We pray with them so that they can grow 
in their relationship with Christ. They are mutually beneficial to us. They cause us to grow. And as we grow together like that, as we grow together as a church, we say, oh, we want to know more about the people around us and the people in our lives and the people that are perishing, and we want to tell them about Jesus so that they too can come to know this Savior. When we sing about the Savior, we don't just want to rejoice ourselves. We want somebody else to come into this joy, somebody else to come into this hope, someone else to come into the peace that we were talking about this morning, someone else to say, Lord God, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord. It's the same set of themes that run all through this Romans 9 through 11. We're looking at how Paul is speaking about the Israelites and what God had done for them. And right at the end of this passage, he says, oh, the children of Israel have become jealous. They've become angry. Why? Because they received all these promises and they essentially rejected it. And now here's the Gentiles, here's all these other people receiving the promises of God, being grafted in, being joined into the family of God, being blessed by God. And he says, the Israelites are becoming jealous. All around us in the world, there are all sorts of reasons for why people become jealous. Envious. That's the word that's used here. They become envious. They look at the things that are material, and they may become envious. How much more important that we pray, that we act, so that the people of this world will become envious. They will become jealous. They'll say, I want to have what you have of the love of God that is in us. How much more important that the people in this world would say, I don't want to have your car, and I don't want to have your house, and I don't want to have your whatever, your singing or abilities or whatever, I want to have your God. I want to have your Savior. Oh, I see what the Lord is doing in your life, and I want that. That means that we need to live in such a way. We need to give ourselves to the Lord in such a way. We need to be people who are saying to the Lord and before all people, before others, that we have believed and so we declare so that they may hear and believe. That we want to preach this word in a, word, in a way that is sensitive to, that is loving and compassionate of the other person, of the hearer, so that they may truly hear it. And we are sent. We're not waiting for somebody else. We're not saying, oh God, let it be the missionary in China. Let it be the missionary somewhere else. We're saying, let it be me. Let it be me. I'm going out to the grocery store, Lord. Maybe there's somebody right there that you want me to speak to. Let it be me. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in this season we have great rejoicing, great joy in what you have done for us, with the gift of life that you have given us. But I pray, Father, that we will take to heart this message, these words that we have heard. Lord, how can the people of this world, how can they receive the call of God unless they hear? And how can they hear? How can they believe unless they hear the word of God, the truth of God? And how can they hear unless someone is preaching to them? Someone is 
speaking the truth, not opinion, not something else. Unless someone is speaking the truth of God to them, how can they hear it? And Lord, how can they hear the truth of God preached to them unless someone is sent? So Father, this morning I thank you that as we worship you, our goal is to respond, is to be sent, is to be obedient, is to reach out to those around us with the declaration, with the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.